Welcome back to the Calgary Stampeder Podcast. I'm Dave Rowe. And I'm Jock Wilson. And what a week, what a week, what a week. <laughs> oh, man. Playoff time. I love it, baby. Where do you start? Where, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Well, let's talk about coaches in the Canadian Football League. Oh, because, wow, show. what a crazy week, eh? First of all, Rick Campbell mm-hmm. steps away from the Ottawa Red Blacks. Obvious disconnect with general manager Marcel Desjardins. And I think, you know, hey, his resume speaks for himself. Six years with that organization, three Grey Cup appearances, wins a Grey Cup championship in 2016. Hey, Rick Campbell is a hell of a coach. Marcel Desjardins, he's an okay general manager. Did the right guy step away from that organization? I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, we'll see what happens you know in Ottawa and I don't think that's a prime job right now as far as I'm concerned Devon no. Claybrooks of course he gets fired by the BC Lions and you know I'm a little disappointed in Ed Hervey like Ed Hervey you know under the radar signs a contract extension last year with the BC Lions Ed Hervey put that team together and that was a crappy team great quarterback crappy team I don't I don't think that falls on Devon Claybrooks I think he got the short end of the stick on this one and, and what's interesting to me Dave is you look at, you know, Corey Chamberlain, he's going to be fired by the Toronto Argonauts. That's a no-brainer. And then if Jason Moss, Mike O'Shea, the Eskimos and the Bombers lose in the first round, I think both of those coaches could be in the hot seat. Could you imagine nine-team league and five head coaches get punted in the uh, in the CFL? That would be crazy. Look, after the way player free agency went down last year, nothing would surprise me <laughs> at this point. I, I want to start with Devon. And again, this is something that, you know, I, I've mentioned before. And uh, Devon's downfall, uh, unfortunately, well, you know, there's a, a number of prongs in this one, but Ed Devon is going to have to carry the can for some of this because, uh, you know, as, as ready as he seemed to be mm-hmm. to be a head coach, he made the fatal mistake of surrounding himself with too many rookie head coaches. You know, you've got to surround yourself with some experience, you know, so you don't have to coach your coaching staff as it were. So that's what, uh, you know, Devon needs to take the responsibility for. And as far as Ed Hervey goes, I mean, there was all the attention being paid to the players that were coming in but not so much attention to the players that were going out. With all of these guys getting signed, they couldn't bring back uh, a lot of their guys uh, from last year. I mean, and admittedly, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, you know, was a team that needed a makeover. But they did lose some talent in addition to the talent that they were able to sign. I think it was just too much change, too fast, uh, in too many facets of the organization. I think you make an excellent point uh, with Devon because, you know, he did hire too many novice head coaches. You know, he, he changed his offensive line coach midway through the season. You know, Kelly Bates a little more experienced from that standpoint, you know, the, the one experienced coach he had in Rich Tubler, you know, that's supposed to be Devon's area of expertise on, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So, you know, why, why was that the most experienced coach that he had on his on his coaching staff? So you're right, and, and, and that was a rookie mistake by Devon Claybrooks. But again, one year, I, I just I just don't think that's a big enough sample size. You know, is Devon Claybrooks going to be a, another head coach in the uh, CFL down the road? I, I don't think right away. I don't think right away, and even mm-hmm. if all these jobs open up, and I think that's kind of sad. Hey, will he get another D.C. job? Without a doubt. I mean, it's unfortunate. We've just seen too many guys uh, that were star coordinators. I mean, I think mm-hmm. like Richie Hall, Mike uh, Benavides, you know, guys who you're thinking, wow, this is going to be the next head coaching prodigy, Paul Lapalise, and it just doesn't work out for them, and mm-hmm. they you know, they end up falling back into uh, coordinator positions by and large. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I think, uh, as you say, Clay Brooks is going to get another shot, probably just not right away. With Rick Campbell, uh, I was a little Hire bit surprised. Today. Hire him today, yeah. I was a little bit surprised that he was as as vocal as he was. Uh, you know, I mean, Rick Campbell's a pretty low-key guy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he wanted to make clear why he was leaving the organization and to underline 
the disconnect with Marcel Desjardins talking about people leaving the organization with a bad taste in, in their mouth, mm-hmm. and uh, he was just getting tired of that, just making no secret of the reason that he was making the decision. Watching that news conference was very interesting, for lack of a better better, better word for it, because it was so intriguing. He didn't want to come right out and call Marcel Desjardins an ass, because that's what I think what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say this, he left he left it pretty open where the disconnect was. And and you're right, the way that players had left the organization with a bad taste in their mouth. Henry Burris brought it up on, on TSN, did a great job, you know, taking it to the forefront. And sometimes you, you see the talking heads and, and we're probably respond you know, uh, you know, responsible for it as well at times, you know, shooting off uh, from the hip. But he bet basically Rick Campbell backed up everything that that Henry Burris said. And okay, even though Rick Campbell and Devon Claybrooks both have ties to the Calgary Stampeders, this is the Calgary Stampeders podcast. That's what we call it. Hey, that's right. So let's talk about some Calgary Stampeders. I want to start with Brandon Smith Ah. uh, as he was named the President's Ring winner. This This is such a big honor to the team. This is, you know, the players vote on this. They look within their room. They look around. It's sort of, you know, to me, like I describe it as the who do I want to be? Award. You know, when I look in this room, who is the guy that exemplifies what it means to be a Stampeder on and off the field? And, you know, when you look at guys that have been honored in the past, uh, you know, Henry Burris, uh, Rob Cote, uh, and now adding to that list is Brandon Smith uh, on his way out. Sort of, I guess you'd call it, I think, a, a lifetime achievement award just for the amount of respect and, you know, the name that he has built around that locker room. Yeah, a lifetime achievement award. I, I don't disagree with that, but this guy has been a heart and soul player yes. for the Calgary Stampeders. Peters and you know you, you look at his numbers played 16 games at his age 59 defensive tackles one special teams tackle two interceptions you know including a pick six a fumble recovery four knockdowns the guy just comes out and brings it every single game and, and as you mentioned with the president's ring it's been awarded since 1967 to the player who best demonstrates excellence on and off the field and when you think of a player on and off the field who always goes above and beyond, it is Mr. Smith. And it's judged by their in-game contributions, their leadership, inspiration, and motivational skills. You and I aren't in the dressing room. Only the players, only the coaching staff are really in the dressing room. But we talk to enough players to realize just how important Brandon Smith is on this team with the leadership, with the motivational skills. Look at the young secondary that this team has had this year. Yep. And who do they who do they who do they talk about? They talk about Smitty. Yeah, Brandon Smith, so certainly well-deserved. And uh, speaking of rings, uh, if uh, this team can keep playing for a few more weeks, he has a chance for a fourth Grey Cup ring, and that would be uh, an all-time record for Stan Peters. Right now, he's on a very short list with three of those. And, and by the way, with the, the off-field exploits, you know, he's been a, sp- a, p- a spokesperson for the team for every yard counts. Uh, which features player visits to the Alberta Children's Hospital the day before every Stampeder game. That's just one of the things that goes unnoticed. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's you know, there's no cameras on it. You know, nope. there's no uh, publicity. That's just Brandon Smith doing Brandon Smith things. Mm-hmm. That leads into uh, the next item on uh, a lengthy list. Again, what a week it was. Uh, we've got the CFL All-Stars. They just came out. And you talked about uh, that young secondary that uh, has been nurtured along by guys like uh, Brandon Smith. Trey Roberson and Deshaun Amos mm-hmm. uh, are two of the six Calgary Stampeder All-Stars uh, from the offensive line. Derek Dennis and Shane Bergman and the two-star receivers, Reggie Begleton and Eric Rogers. Now, I mean, obviously no problem with any of the guys that are on the list, but uh, any of the guys that weren't named, do you think that, do you think that the voters 
missed anybody? Well, you know, it's a great question. And, hey, the Calgary Stampeders led the CFL in interceptions this year, so it's not surprising the two members of that secondary are mm-hmm. on, you know, the all-star list. I guess the only the only one I could see is Bo Levi Mitchell. Now, I get it. Bo's only played 11 games. Mm-hmm. But don't tell me there's a quarterback better in the Western Division or the CFL than Bo Levi Mitchell because there's not. And and the fact of the matter is Cody Fajardo, he missed a couple of games this year. Bo only played 11, and I get that. That you know, he played he played mm-hmm. basically six less than Cody. But guess what? He threw more touchdown passes than Cody in his 11 games. He only had 900 less passing yards than Cody Fajardo. Hands down, Bo Levi Mitchell is the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League. So I, I do think, you know, what is an MVP or what is an all-star? An all-star is the best, right? Yeah. And and Bo Levi is the best. So from that standpoint, I think that is maybe the only miss in my, my, my books. But I get it. Cody Fajardo is up for the Outstanding Player Award, and Bo didn't get nominated for the Outstanding Player Award. But an all-star is an all-star. And I don't think there is anybody, even even the, the most diehard Ryder fan would tell you right now, they would take Bo Levi Mitchell over Cody Fajardo in a playoff game any day of the week. And the only the only miss for me, because again, I get the whole uh, 11 game yeah. thing, and, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with yeah. Bo not, so getting the, not being the all-star this year. Uh, and, and this is, it's a minor overlook, but I might have looked at uh, Nate Hawley. They name a, a special mm-hmm. teams player to the all-star team. This year, it's Mike Miller from Winnipeg. And Mike Miller is a guy who's got, he's, he's a hell of a special teams yeah. player. And he's got he's got the reputation and he's got the name. It's tougher for voters, especially when you're out of market, to recognize guys as as special teamers. But when you look at what Nate's done, I think he's got 20 special teams tackles this year. Yeah. You could make a case for him. But uh, Nate Hawley, uh, with luck, is going to be around for a long time in this league, and he'll get uh, he'll get his uh, his just due. Well, I, I think you're right. And and you know I know when the All Star list came out, Dave, the first thing you looked for was one Andrew Harris of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, mm-hmm. and and sure enough. Enough, the Winnipeg voters decided not to put him on the ballot for the Outstanding Player Award. Well, this time he is the all-star running back. You know, and, 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 and it's you can go either way on this. You know, the CFL does not have a rule in place to say he's not eligible for postseason awards, even though he did have the positive, you know, drug test. So the fact of the matter is, is he the best, uh, you know, running back in the Canadian Football League right now? Sure. No, yeah, I, I think he is. But, you know, we can argue whether or not he should be even eligible. But right now he is eligible, so it's tough to argue with it, although uh, the CFL has to get off their, their can and basically put a rule in place. Because if you're, if you're a doper, Take your suspension. Don't be eligible for postseason awards. I mean, I think this is just something that it's it's not an an omission, a conscious omission. It's just one of these things that's never really been thought mm-hmm. about because up until now, yeah. you've never had sort of yeah. a player of that profile failing a drug test. Yeah. And I think it's just, oh, geez, we don't have a policy in place for that. That Yeah, yeah. that needs to be addressed in the offseason. I have every confidence it, it will It goes be. back to my point about Bo. You know, is Andrew Harris the best running back in the Canadian Football League right now? Yes. Is Bo Levi Mitchell the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League now? Yes, he is. But guess what? Bo's not on the list, and Andrew is. So I guess we can argue that till the cows come home. And, of course, there's a little thing coming up this weekend that we like to What's call that? a playoff game. <laughs> And of course, uh, it's, uh, well, of course, it's something that we're not really that familiar with around no. here. At least we haven't been in the past few years. Semifinal? You mean you have to play a game before the Western <laughs> final? Who knew? <laughs> but yeah, the Calgary Stampeders uh, certainly uh, the authors of their own. Uh, I don't want to say you know I, want, I don't want to say misfortune in this because. 
12 and 6 yeah. is still a, a pretty a pretty damn good year when you uh, when you look at everything that went into this year but you know the Calgary Stampeders uh, the way the end of the season played out uh they are responsible for the fact mm-hmm. that they have to play that extra game the only good news about it is it's going to be a home game but uh, you're playing a Winnipeg Blue Bomber team that you're going to be seeing for the third time in uh, 4 weeks and man these teams uh, are going to be sick of each other there's going to be a, a lot of emotion in this one probably not a whole lot of surprises uh, in terms of what you're able to pull out of the playbook what do you expect come sunday well first of all i'll say that late season loss to montreal derailed the stampeders chances yep. because i didn't think they would beat the winnipeg blue bombers you know in back-to-back games in those home and home to end the season so that was the one that really took them out of the running that was uh, that was unfortunate because you're right if you go back to our earlier podcast in the season i, I thought the calgary stampeders would be a 10-win team i i, I Sort of thought they would be on the road, you know, for this Western semifinal. Uh, But it didn't turn out that way. And as Dave Dickinson told me earlier on Sports Talk with Jock, this has been his hardest and best year as a coach in the Canadian Football League because of the turnover, uh, because of the injuries, because of uh, what the Stampeders have had to go through this year. Winnipeg scares me, though, Dave, and they do scare me. And, and, you know, first of all, they're coming off a bye week, so they're well-rested. You know, they've got options at quarterback because I do think we're going to see both quarterbacks in this game, in Chris Stroud because he can run the ball and then Zach Caleros because he can be you know elusive at times and, and he can you know open up the the passing game a little bit so that's going to create some some issues for the Calgary Stampeders and I will say this if the Calgary Stampeders can beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers I don't have as much fear against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders but Winnipeg does does concern me and I I don't know how, how do you see this game playing out uh, we uh, said Winnipeg was going to be a good football team and even though it's uh, a different quarterback and uh, now you have Mike O'Shea back with a look he's comfortable with when he had Matt Nichols uh, he would bring in Chris Streveler not mm-hmm. just for the short yardage but he'd bring him in for a series or two just for that different look just for that running threat and now again you have that uh, two-pronged threat with uh, with Zach Cole Caleros, and uh, I did not like the way the Stampeders played Zach Caleros in that last game. I thought they they didn't throw enough complicated looks at a guy who hasn't seen much of the field this year. Uh, I thought the DBs were playing soft coverage. I just thought that you were allowing Zach Caleros way too much time to see too much of the field and just making it easy for him to get back uh, into his game form. I think what could benefit the Calgary Stampeders is the weather conditions. And not that Winnipeg doesn't practice in these in these conditions as well, but I think, you know, a little bit of an icy field, a little bit of a snow cover field, you know, minus 13 is the high on, on Sunday. I think it will hurt the running game. And we know the Stampeders don't have a running game, so yep. they're not getting hurt on the running game, are they? No, and, not a problem. And, and we've already said, you know, Winnipeg with Andrew Harris, you know, they're they're very, very good with the run. And Winnipeg has the best run defense in the Canadian Football League. So let's throw the running game out. And, you know, does it give the receivers a little bit of an edge because they know where they're cutting? Mm-hmm. And that opens up the passing game for Bo Levi Mitchell. And, you know, the Stampeders do have the edge with the quarterback. And if Eric Rogers is healthy, cross my fingers, you know, that's, that's, that's another big weapon you know for this team and we, we talk about the injuries that is really going to be the key what what team are the Calgary Stampeders you know we're not going to know basically till Saturday when that 46-man roster comes out just how good the Stampeders are going to be with their returning injured players but I will say this if they go at the same lineup that played in Vancouver to end the season yeah, they have no be chance a tough afternoon. They, they have no chance yeah I mean look at it there's six <laughs> six all-stars 
Four of those All-Stars, Eric Rogers, Derek Dennis, Trey Robers, and Deshaun Abels, yeah. were not in uniform exactly. for that, uh, that season finale in BC. <laughs> I would anticipate all those guys... Being uh, in uniform, uh, you know, we've heard that Corey Greenwood Could is a possibility. That's, that's a game changer. And, you know, I think a lot of these players that were out are going to be good to go because, you know, this this is a playoff game. It's, you know, you look at it, okay, there was some meaning in BC, but not a huge amount of meaning. And I think the rest was more important, especially not having a bye week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be a very, uh, you know, more of a familiar looking lineup against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I think, again, it's going to come down to uh, special teams and field position. It, the special teams cost the Calgary Stampeders yep. that game last time against Winnipeg. They were, they were just awful as they have been too many times this year. But again, when you look at guys uh, getting healthy and coming back and then you add a Dexter McCoyle uh, into uh, the mix, uh, mm-hmm. you add a Bill Longley who's been back on special teams. Terry Williams is going to be back there returning the ball. You're going to have as good a special teams unit as you've had all year. And hopefully so well, if you can even get that to a saw off with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you give yourself a good chance to win. You make a great point because you've got McCoyle and Nate Hawley that can rotate on defense and, you know, probably at times you can put them both, you know, on on special teams and they Mm -hmm. are both special team studs, which is really, really important. The the other quirk is, you know, there are no secrets between these two teams because for Winnipeg, it'll be the third consecutive meeting against the Calgary Stampeders. For the Stamps, three of their last four. So, you know, will there be the odd trick play? I know both teams are having a close practice this week. I'm sure both teams will have you know one or two in their in their playbook but there really are no secrets between these two teams right now and you know the the regular season series you know sometimes you can throw that out but I think the regular season in this case shows exactly how close these two teams are what three games yes Winnipeg won twice Calgary won by a single point 88 87 with the total combined points Uh, these two teams are very very tight and these two teams are both very very good and it probably comes down to home field advantage because if you look at the teams in the playoffs you know Saskatchewan has a great home record Winnipeg has a great home record Calgary has a great home record so that's why you got to make the Stampeders a slight favorite in this game so yeah you're going to make them a slight favorite in this game and sort of rather than you know making uh, you know making picks at this point what I want to ask you and the question I'm going to answer myself is what do the Calgary Stampeders have to do to win this game well you know it's it, it's it's pretty clear Number one, they've got to win the special teams battle because that has been just a big, inconsistent red flag all season long. So don't turn over the ball, win the special teams battle, and you're going to win. You're not going to win the running game because you're not going to outrush Andrew Harris. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty clear. Um, you know, you're probably going to win the passing game because Bo Levi Mitchell is better. But as coaches always tell us, you got to win two of the three phases of the game. So, you know, I, I think both teams have excellent defenses. So that's a saw off. I think the Stamps have the better passing game. Winnipeg has the better running game. That's almost a saw off. So who is going to win the special teams battle? And that's where it's going to come down to. And, you know, the Stamps, I'm concerned. Like I said, I'm concerned. I I just think the Stamps have been way too inconsistent. But you made an excellent case, you know, with Dexter McCoyle, William Longley, you know, with, uh, with Nate Hawley. So we'll see. That and uh, the fact that there's there's been a lot of turnover on this team, but uh, in key positions, like in quarterback with Bo Levi Mitchell and with the leadership group, the Calgary Stampeders have the players that have been there and done that, and I think experience is going to count and uh, keep the keep the heads a little bit cool <laughs> along with the cool air temperature this you, weekend. You know what I would love to see? Do tell. I would love to see, just for a mix, 
Bo Levi Mitchell run the ball a couple of times. Take the hook slide, but just keep that in the back of the mind mm-hmm. of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense. When, you know, we haven't seen it all just season. Just plant that seed. Just plant that <laughs> just seed. Just plant that seed. Are we going to see it? I would say it's not in his DNA, so I would say probably not. But, boy, I, wouldn't that be great if he just takes off and runs for seven or eight yards? Because, you know, that would that would just all of a sudden say, hey, maybe Bo could do this. And Bo, Bo keeps hinting about it, but he never does it. So will we see it on Sunday? Probably not. Whatever happens, uh, we're going to be back next Thursday <laughs> well, with another. Do you want to talk quickly about the East? Does Edmonton have any chance at all? No. <laughs> there, we talked about the East. An, an, an upset? Yeah. Edmonton Edmonton has no chance against Montreal? Nope. nope. I, I sort of agree with you as well. Like, no no crossover team has ever gone to the Grey Cup. And that you proud know, tradition is going to continue. Yeah, it would be a great story to see Edmonton and Calgary yeah. in a Grey Cup championship here in Calgary. It's not going to happen. Montreal, I, I think, is a very, very good team. And, you know, the one team that I'm expecting here in Calgary, and, of course, we'll talk about this later in a podcast, is the Hamilton Tiger Cats, because I, I clearly think they are the class of the league right now. Yeah, we're going to be talking talking about the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, next weekend. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Regardless of what happens this weekend, we're going to be back uh, next Thursday with another edition of the Calgary Stampeder podcast. With luck, still talking about uh, the Stampeders yes. at an upcoming football game. Because that would if be not, nice, it won't be the it? Calgary Stampede podcast anymore for Valentine Volvo. Exactly. <laughs> it'll, it'll be, be the, the CFL podcast. It'll be the postseason <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, for, uh, <laughs> and that's going to be an interesting one, too. Hey, let us know uh, what you think about what we're doing here. Uh, we'd love you to give the podcast a rating. You got any story ideas, pass those on to us as well. And uh, more importantly, hey, tell a friend about the Calgary Stampede podcast out there because the more the merrier. You can find us anywhere you download your podcast. He's Jock Wilson. And you're Dave Rowe. And this is the Calgary Stampede. Stampeder Podcast.